exist among us, and sometimes they win. Even the devil was an angel once. The world has its own rules, and these rules are not human. Some of us seek answers to the origin and existence of cryptids and the unexplained. Join us as we venture beyond the known and accepted boundaries. Welcome to our nightmare. I think you're going to like it. Hey folks, good evening and welcome to another episode of Fans of Monsters Radio where we explore the strange and the unexplained. I'm your host, Lon Stricker. Thanks for joining me. So if uh, you enjoy our content, please subscribe, like, and share our presentations. Uh, please feel free to place a comment as well. Uh, Super Chat will be active during the show. So uh, please share your support for Fans of Monsters Radio by clicking the dollar icon under the chat. You can also support the channel by clicking the super thanks icon or the buy me a coffee link, our banner. Your consideration is very much needed and appreciated. I want to thank everybody for all their uh, their well wishes and, and their contact and stuff while I was out for surgery. And I really appreciate it. I'm doing well. Some ups and downs, but I'm, I'm on track. So, I, again, I really appreciate all that. So tonight, Tobias Whalen is a passionate 14 who has been actively investigating the unusual for over a decade. Uh, the first several years of investigative career were spent as a MUFON field investigator, and following that, he investigated independently prior to becoming the head writer and editor of the Singular 14 Society. Tobias is a frequent guest on various podcasts and radio shows and has contributed to several books on the paranormal, was often invited to speak at paranormal conferences and events. He is also featured in the Small Town Monsters documentary, Terror in the Skies, and the series premiere of Expedition X, for his work investigating Mothman sightings around Lake Michigan. He and his wife, Emily, have been involved with the Lake Michigan Mothman investigation since its advent in the spring of 2017, and uh, recently published a book chronicling the experience of the Lake Michigan Mothman High Strangers in the Midwest. His years as an investigator have served him best by illustrating that when it, uh, when it comes to the anomalous, the uh, preternatural, and the paranormal, any answers he's found are still hopelessly outnumbered by the questions. You can find Singular Fortune Society at singularfortune.com. Emmanuel Navarrete is the founder and curator of UFO Clearinghouse and an active paranormal investigator. He is currently one of the chief investigators of the Chicago Lake Michigan Mothman Phenomena, along with Lon Strickler and Tobias Whalen, and a member of the Fans of Monsters 14 research team. Manuel has been interested in the paranormal since he was 17 and has had multiple sightings of UFOs and recently of the winged humanoid at Chicago O'Hare Airport. Uh, the website he found, UFO Clearinghouse, is uh, dedicated and committed to providing the most up-to-date information on recent UFO sightings, reported alien abductions, and cryptid sightings. It is designed as a place where information can be freely exchanged and accessed by paranormal researchers and investigators for the reason of furthering the uh, search for the truth. And his website, UFO Clearinghouse, can be found at ufoclearinghouse.wordpress.com. So, guys, thanks for joining me this evening. Nice to be here. Always a pleasure. 
Now, I was just thinking, how long have we all known each other now? I, now, I met Manuel, I don't know how long ago. I've known Manuel for, I guess, since the 2011 sightings, right, Manny? Yeah, 2011, we've known each other. Yeah. And then Tobias, yeah. we found you at, when this all started again back in 2017, I guess, wasn't it? Yeah, no, I didn't know you guys at at all. I didn't know you from, from Adam uh, until right. these signing reports started coming in. And that's when I, I reached out to you both uh, separately to be, you know, cause I was like, well, hell, all of these sightings are, are, are coming into these, these websites. And I should probably, if I want to do my due diligence, you know, uh, trying to cover this at the time, trying to, to cover it journalistically, you know, I, I better reach out to these guys. And so I, I uh, interviewed you both separately and that would have been summer of 2017. I think I I, yeah, I think I, like I don't that. remember what order it was in, but I, I interviewed one of you in June and then the other one in, in July of that year. And then, yeah, the rest is history. Well, it's been a long time. I mean, we've been doing this now together for almost five years, I guess, if not more. And, um, you know, it just keeps on going. I mean, it's the uh, gift that keeps on giving. And, um, you know, it hasn't been as, as much lately, but – we still occasionally get some sightings. Uh, I know Man Will was telling me before the show, he's got a few that he's working on right now. Uh, he's got to do some interviews and some actual translations. Uh, can you give us a little bit about that, Manuel? Well, the first two come from the little village area, which, you know, if anybody's followed, it's been a hotbed before mm -hmm. of activity. Um and a lot of it has to do, uh, I, my theory has always been that those have been summoned beings because right. that area has quite a large, uh, it is a massive Hispanic population, little village, uh, or La Vellita, as it's, as it's known to everybody, is a, one of the largest uh, concentrations of Hispanics or Mexican-Americans um, in the city. Um, it's a rich cultural area. Um, and a lot of people have, you know, a very, with Hispanics, there's a very embedded um, history with the paranormal, with, you know, witchcraft. You know, you have Santeria, Brujeria, Curandera. Uh, now you have things like the Santa Muerte, um, things popping up. So a lot of people, you know, are taught as children, like we were uh, growing up, you know, certain aspects of witchcraft so something tells me that these things are you know being summoned but uh one person you know was saying that they saw it fly over the trees and they said it was it was just the perfect you know outline of a person with wings and when i asked them you know could it have been something like a canadian goose uh, which we still have um or like a um a you know, great heron or, a, you know, um, I forgot the other kind of uh, heron we have around here. Um, and he said, no, this is distinctly had human legs, had, you know, human body. It just looked like it had wings. He says, whatever it was, was going really fast. I mean, he says it was, it was over and gone and down the block, you know, within seconds. Uh, the other one was saying that it was in a field and, um, when he went out to the field the next day, you know, after daybreak, he found little satchels 
that are usually commonly used for uh, their ofrendas or like offerings, um, which it can mean a couple of different things. Well, ofrenda is usually meant like an altar of, of sorts, but those would be associated with like brujeria, santeria. So that kind of leads me to think that maybe this thing was summoned and, mm. you know, was there for a purpose. Um, the third one, which is uh, just came in actually yesterday, I have kind of having some trouble, but considering where it's coming from, it's, you know, kind of normal. It comes from Ukraine. Mm. Um, so actually Kiev, Ukraine. So um, trying to get hold, I've already sent out emails. I've not heard anything back. So until I have some kind of verification, you know, with this, um, they basically said they saw um, dark black, you know, winged humanoid with red eyes and that it was standing on top of a building and when it saw them it took off um but they described it as you know a, you know a large creature with a very very large wingspan this one is they're actually saying it's by te- between 18 and 20 feet um if i'm got my math correct um in width which is probably one of the larger wingspans we've ever seen um but um they said it was gone. It was over in a matter of seconds. But, you know, this is coming from Ukraine, where I'm a, unless you're living under a rock, you know, they're going through quite a lot. So I'm kind of giving it some leeway to try to wait for somebody to get hold of. Um, the gentleman with the uh, the first little village um, encounter I did talk to, I just have to, you know, I've recorded most of it. I want to just go through and... Uh, I should hopefully be publishing by the end of the week or the end of the weekend. It's just a matter of going through and, you know, translating everything because it was done in Spanish. The second one I will be talking to tomorrow, but um, they wrote me in Spanish. So Mm. I'm trying to just make sure everything's translated. I don't like posting things in Spanish unless, you know, I really have to because, you know, not everyone can speak Spanish. Um, But this one, that one is very, very interesting. I want them to point me out to the field. So see if maybe I can find something. You know, there's little signs that you can look for to see if, you know, somebody's been using it to do like a, a ritual or they've been leaving behind things. Um, I, of course, won't be picking anything up. I know better than that. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, there are little signs that you can tell, uh, especially in that area, what, you know, whether somebody's been... Um, you know, they're doing a ritual or, or a summons of some kind. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you bring up two interesting points. Um, first of all, the fact that this thing is being seen over in, in Ukraine, you know, of course, we're, we're always looking for winged humanoid sightings around the world. I mean, you know, I, I believe that this, there, there's all, definitely a tie in there if we can get it. But, you know, you're talking about these things being seen in war zones. That, I don't think we've ever gotten into that, but that would be interesting. We start getting sightings and out that, you know, out Eastern Europe because of the, the war. Um, and also you mentioned about the possibility of summoning, and we have talked about that before. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, we, you and some others have had, you know, on the team have had connections with these things. 
And uh, I wonder if we've got other people, especially in the little village area, that are actually getting contacted as well. You know, that's a really good possibility that, you know, maybe they are. But, you know, as we've known with uh, the Unseen Ones, they don't like being summoned at all. In fact, that's the only one of the only ways you can make them really upset is by dragging them into this plane. But kind of uh, if you've ever read about demonology and stuff like that, nothing likes being summoned. Demons don't like being summoned. They don't like being summoned. Um, that's a great way to get yourself unalived. Um, you know, if you're not, if you don't know what you're doing, is by summoning something that doesn't want to be here in the first place. Yeah. Um, and so, I want to kind of think that, you know, this something. This is something that needs to be researched a little further, and you know, hopefully, be. Um, you know, maybe that can draw some conclusions or bring us into some kind of, you know, context of what's going on. Yeah, that's well, we'll that's, that's really interesting. Um, now, do you think, because I'm, I'm just, you know, thinking out, out, out loud here, um, could that be related to some of the issues that, that we've had performing uh, Spirit Box or Estes Method sessions to, to contact these beings? Because I think that they work very similar to a, a, a sort of, of, of summoning ritual, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, it seems like we've had some real reluctance with, uh, with, with whatever we came in contact with uh, um, to, to, to communicate with us, you know, use, mm-hmm. using that method. And so suddenly that, that seems to, to, to make more sense. Um, also, I'm not sure if you guys remember this or not, but I was in contact with a, a, a witch, you know, she was a, a, a self-described witch in, uh, in Chicago mm-hmm. uh, who had performed this summoning ritual with her girlfriend uh, over a, a, a blood moon uh, prior to when these sightings kicked off again in, in 2017. And, and during that, that ritual, she had achieved this, this sort of uh, state of gnosis, which is what uh, a, a lot of magical practitioners are, are, are looking for. It's, it's sort of a, a way to, to um, align, you know, your, your consciousness with your intention and, and, and allow your, your subconscious mind to sort of take over and, uh, and, and enact your will on the universe. And so she said that she had achieved that state during the summoning ritual. It was right on the shores of, of, of Lake Michigan. And, um, and during that, she had seen this uh, sort of portal open and like all of these bat-like creatures come out. And so she was concerned, thinking that, you know, maybe she had let some sort of, of entity or entities, uh, you know, loose in, in that area prior to these, these sightings. And what was really interesting about talking to her, honestly, was that her main concern was for the, the entity, you know, cause she didn't think that, 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 uh, they were dangerous. Um, you know, she just, she thought that, uh, she was worried that they would come out and sort of be misunderstood and, and, and people would, you know, would hate them for, for no reason. But, um, but yeah, I, you know, I find that interesting because it really does uh, align quite readily with what uh, Manuel is talking about, specifically with people's uh, experiences in, in uh, uh, Little Village. Mm-hmm. I think so. I mean, um, you kind of think about 
some of these entities, they don't, you know, in their own world, they're probably not malevolent internet or anything, but you're, I mean, how do you think it would feel if you took a wild hyena out of the savannah of Africa and threw that, savannah, that uh, you know, that wild hyena into downtown Chicago? I mean, or maybe not hyena because they're, you know, they are predators, but let's say you take any, any animal that's out of the savannah that's maybe not inherently dangerous when it's in its own environment, but now you threw it into an entirely different environment. It's surrounded by a city, you know, and not just any city. It's the third largest city in the nation and also, you know, pretty much one of the most violent cities in the nation. Um, now you're, you know, it'd probably be sensory overload. The first thing it'd want to do is defend itself. Um, it doesn't know whether it's in danger or what's going on. Its first instinct, it's you know, the fight or flight instinct itself, you know, it kind of kicks in. Um, I would think that that's what would be happening with this. You know, you're, you're taking an entity that is all of a sudden thrown into this environment and, um, you know, you're you're taking them, put them into a city such as Chicago where, you know, you have, uh, you know, violent crime. You have, you know, you know, lights, sirens, especially if you live in the, inside the city itself. You know, you're there's never really a moment of peace, you know, peace and quiet like in the, in the city. Um, it's probably sensory overload. And I would think that they would lash out. Um as far as like with summoned creatures, I mean, you're dragging them out of a dimension where they're sitting, you know, and you're over, you're trying to make them to do something that they don't want to inherently do. Um, it's probably going to be, you know, lashing out at you to or try to take the first opportunity you can to get away so it can get back to where it's going, where it comes from. Um, but I kind of agree with you on that, you know. Um, she has a right to be concerned for these entities, but at the same time, these, um, you know, these summonings, um, they seem to be, they seem to have a really big connection. The one with the witch that we, Tobias is talking about, I mean, it could be very easily done. Um, you know, that's why most people who are in the, in the, in the witchcraft, who are in the craft of any kind, you know, you're not, you're really, you train for many, many, many years, you know, it's not this inherent thing that you hear, oh, you're a year and a day, no, you usually are, you have your trainers for many, many years, um, if you're in a coven, you're probably surrounded by older coven members at all times when you're doing this, to prevent things from, like this from happening, um, you know, you're also putting your own intentions into this. So if your intention is to cause harm or cause, you know, chaos, you know, I would kind of think you're kind of imbuing that into this entity and this entity, you're making this entity do something you don't want it to do. Mm -hmm. You you know, um, now we've had a lot of sightings of, of humanoids, not necessarily wing humanoids in the, uh, a lot of the green areas, uh, especially in the Rosemont area in particular, mm -hmm. where by the Des Plaines River. Um, maybe people, maybe people dabbling in the occult have been doing something similar to that as well. I mean, you know, there's a lot of weird stuff that's been showing up in these greenways, these preserves. 
and you know Chicago is well known for preserves and you know mm-hmm. well the suburbs so um, maybe there's something to that it could be easily I mean it's you know when um, when we were learning you know you there was a word for it there, the people who come in here thinking that oh I'm going to be cool I'm going to be a witch I'm going to summon this this or that they're usually called fluffers in a, der- right. a derogatory term so um, no one is, you know, it, most of this stuff is about balance and most of it is about, you know, um, an intention. It's not you trying to summon the devil, you know, per se, um, you know, and if you're trying to do something, you're not, if you're not experienced enough in doing it, or you know what you're doing, you're not going to, uh, you're going to find yourself opening a door that you can't close. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised that you find you find things. Plus, you also have to remember, there's these are green areas. I know Tobias would probably agree. Um, you know, some of these areas have inherent spirits, you know, that live in that area. You know, you have, you know force you know spirits you have fade you have things that live in that area that are going to probably you know do something to get you out of that area because of the inherent harm you're going to end up causing by you know meddling in things that you're not supposed to be meddling with that's certainly an, an, an interesting idea and and i think that um you know the fact that there are so many uh, uh not just natural areas but uh, just just areas in in general uh throughout the uh united states where you have these sort of groupings of of phenomena sort of local to that area i think speaks to uh some unique quality of of certain areas you know and so i wouldn't be against you know speculating that uh that that the quality that might be represented by that is some sort of of native otherworldly uh in intelligence you know and you can call it whatever you want you can call it a you know fairies or nature spirits or or anything that that, that suits you but uh, at, at the end of the day you know it does seem like there are certain areas that uh that that, that have um you know a, a spiritual or, or paranormal life uh, all uh, all of, of of their own really you know the the uh uh, Kettle Moraine State Forest, for instance, seems to be mm-hmm. one of those areas, um, you know, or, you know, you, you might even consider um, just the entire area around uh, O'Hare International Airport, for instance, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's one where, you know, if, if you look at the, the history of, of that area and all of the different sightings and things that we've seen, you know, from that relatively tight geographic area, there certainly seems to be uh, something to it, you know, because there doesn't seem like, um, you know, like if, if, if you're investigating a, a haunted house or something, right. And, and, and you look at historical records and you see that, you know, this person died there or was murdered there or committed suicide or something. And that sort of ties into the, the phenomena that, that people are experiencing in that house, then you can say, okay, well, that might be the origin of, of these specific phenomena, but you don't really have that uh, in 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 area like um, all of the the little villages and and, and everything surrounding 
O'Hare. Really, all you've got is, and you know, this is for for most really spreading out in, in, in into Chicago, southeastern Wisconsin. Um, really, all you've got are these areas that just have all of this weird stuff happening, and and no real discernible cause for any of it, honestly, in, unless we start getting into what we were talking about before, you know, and, and start thinking about, you know, somebody actively summoning something or, or, right. or something. Hmm. You know, we've got some people in the chat who, who made mention that, you know, because of all the, uh, the crime and everything in, in the Chicago area. And of course we talked about, O'Hare, you got a lot of different people coming in and out of there, bring out a lot of different energy. Uh, maybe there is an evil intent or some type of uh, evil or malevolency these things may be attracted to. I mean, we I don't think we really ever established that. Uh, you know, we've had a, a slew of theories as to why all this has been going on in the Chicago area. I mean, you know, this is probably the only uh, urban area that's had a concentration of sightings like this of any phenomena that I can remember or ever figure out or ever know of. Uh, maybe there is something to that, but you know, what do you guys think? Well, I mean, there's a theory I've always had since I've been in ufology. Um, I always wanted to bounce it off you guys, especially you, Tobias, but, um, you always hear these stories about how, like, typically, let's say, like the greys, they seem to feed off emotions. Mm-hmm. You know, they're more attracted to um, to somebody who's, you know, going through emotion. Kind of like when you, you know, like you hear in ghost stories, like poltergeist stories, you know, there's usually somebody there who's like um, a teen or somebody who's going through the, you know, puberty or something like that. There was a high emotion emotional state you know an airport kind of has that concentrated area i mean you have people coming going you know happiness sadness you know um all these emotions just bundled up into one area you know and wouldn't that would probably account why you have a lot of ufo sightings in that area maybe they are attracted to that emotion or the energy that that's been given off. And maybe that's what attracts, you know, some of these other creatures there. Um, that's kind of my theory. But, you know, you know, Chicago has so many different things. I mean, think of the history. I mean, some of, some of the most, you know, deadliest, you know, incidences have happened here. You have the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. It's you know, right there off downtown. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have, you know, some of these cemeteries, especially like places like Basher Grove Cemetery are some of the most haunted places in the world. Um, you have, um, oh, there's a club, there used to be a club downtown called Excalibur that used to be a morgue. And it was uh, where they used a, that morgue for when uh, the orphanage burned down. I think it was like 60 people died in that, mostly children died in that, and then there was another incident where a ship sank in the in the river, and a bunch of people, like hundreds of people, were drowned. And you and think of all the just the different, you know, growing 
from the 20s and all sort all the violence that was associated with prohibition and the gangster wars and then now you have all the violence that's going on you know in day-to-day you know life i mean all that emotion leaves an imprint and maybe that's something that attracts these things uh to this area you know it's worth you know it's it's a thought i mean you know uh God knows how many theories we've had from the very beginning of this, you know, <laughs> these encounters and uh, sightings. But, um, you know, I, you know, the fact that we, we started having all these sightings and I'd say maybe 75 to 80 percent around the airport since October 2019. I mean, there's definitely something about the airport and we're pretty sure that has something to do around that uh, connection with that cemetery or the area around there. Uh, but still, you know, you gotta, you gotta wonder what the attraction, why they come, you know, we really have never established that. Sure. Um, you know, I, I don't think there is any causal relationship between, um, you know, anything like criminal activity or, um, you know, any, anything similar really, and uh, winged humanoid sightings. Um, mm-hmm. they, they do seem very, very random outside of what we do know, which is they, they seem to occur in, in specific areas. Um, you know, that's not, that's not always the case, though. You know, there, 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 there are outliers. I mean, most of the, the uh, reports that I've investigated personally have been in more out of the way places, you know? So I I had one in in Rockford just over this past summer. Um, And, you know, Rockford's not a, it's not a tiny town or anything, but, um, but it's, it's not Chicago. And, uh, you know, you, you, you think back to some of the best uh, cases we had, you know, even going back to, you know, 2017 and uh, Woodstock, for instance, I mean, Woodstock is, is not a big town. What's the population there? Maybe, maybe 20,000 people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and that was pretty out of the way. And even many of the, the sightings in the, the more Chicago metropolitan area, at least the, the, the really credible ones, you know, where we've been able to speak with people and, and we're, and we're pretty like reasonably sure that it's not a misidentified bird or, or something you know, those are often in out of the, the the way places too. Even a lot of those sightings around O'Hare, you know, like it's pretty rare for somebody to see or even claim to see one of these things at that airport in a heavy populated part of that airport. You know, it's not like they're usually hanging out in the terminals or anything, right? You know, they're <laughs> yeah. in an isolated uh, uh, cemetery. By That's by nothing. Frankly, it's like over in the cargo area and there's nothing over there, mm-hmm. um, you know, and those cargo areas like if 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 there doesn't happen to, like to be a trucker outside waiting or somebody walking to or from work like there's nobody out there. You know, why would they be? They're all inside doing their job. Um, and so like these what's, what's weird is that they're, they're in isolated areas within this this otherwise populated area. And so. You know, I really think that there's there's something about these areas that um, either we just can't discern because it's on a level that that we just can't perceive, um, or or there's something that's that that's being missed because it almost seems like 
uh, the sightings are attached to these specific areas, regardless of, of what we as humans are, are, are doing with them. You know, like they don't seem to care that we built a city on this area that, that, that they have a, a particular interest in. You know, um, they're still doing uh, uh, relatively, it seems, their best to, to uh, avoid human interest. Um, and, uh, and and only show up in these these sort of out of the the the, the way areas at least as isolated as, as they can be. Yeah, maybe uh, you know the fact that it has been in the city, but the portal where they're coming through is just uh, uh, really no relationship. It just happens to be there, and that's why they're showing up there. I, that, that's a good point. Yeah, and Tobias does make a good point. I mean, you could have a portal right there at Rest Haven. And, you know, you've been out there just like I have, Tobias, at night. And, you know, it's it's out of the way. It's You are completely alone. I mean, even though across on one side you have a flight line and been uh, an area where planes are pulling up. And across the street you have the a large, you know, cargo facility with probably thousands of people inside. You know, if you're out there in the middle of the night... There is no one around. No one comes through there. No one goes by there. Maybe the occasional truck that's checking into the facility, but you are out there by yourself. Um, something wanted to come out. Something wanted to be there and not be seen. That's going to be the place, you know, where you can go. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's just that isolated and to think that it's surrounded. I have to think that O'Hare has to be at least in the top three biggest and most busiest airports in the world um you know it's one i know for sure it's one of the largest airports in the world if not the largest and it's and, getting bigger yeah and it's getting <laughs> bigger and it's this place is absolutely out in the middle of nowhere uh, and if you're out there in the middle of the night like when i had the encounter with uh uru you're out there by yourself and um, even though you're probably surrounded by thousands of people, you, no one's going to know you're there. Hmm. We do have one yeah. question. I mean, it is, um, it is a, 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 oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, oh, I was, ahead. I was basically just going to, uh, reiterate what, what Manuel said. I mean, it's, it's hard to describe to people who, who haven't been out there, but like, uh, uh, rest haven specifically, you know, like it's all hemmed in with trees. So people can't even see what you're doing in there, frankly. You know, you could be in there and anything could be happening and nobody would would, would even know, despite the fact that, you know, it's it's nestled within one of the world's largest international airports. Like it's it's really something else. It's bizarre, isn't it? I mean, it, I mean, the whole concept of that cemetery still being there is just bizarre to me. It always has been. Uh, I've never been there, but I've seen pictures of it. And it is. It's like. Uh, this big anomaly sitting right there in the middle of the world's one of the world's busiest airports. It's strange. I mean, you got to figure there's got to be some connection there somewhere. Uh, well, yeah. we did get a question from Andrew Boyle who asked, can they be shapeshifters? I, I, I think, possible. I, I think we, we have, I, I think from the information that we have gotten that, they do not show themselves as what they look like in their own dimension. They change themselves. Uh, they don't all look alike. We've had different descriptions 
for the most part. Uh, maybe they are shapeshifters. Maybe they have the ability to shapeshift. Maybe they have the ability to cloak. You know, we talked about cryptid cloaking and uh, a lot of other strange, weird phenomena uh, associated with, uh, you know, unexplained. But maybe they are shapeshifters. What do you guys think? Well, you know, I, I think that there, there's a possibility. You know, I, I'm trying to think of any specific um, report that I've received that mentions something like shapeshifting, you know, uh, as, as an attribute of, uh, of a, a winged humanoid. And I'm drawing a blank. And so based specifically on what people are reporting, um, I would say that it's unlikely. However, uh, it, when you're dealing with something that is completely unknown, um, mm -hmm. you have to allow for any possibility. And so I, I can't say that um, it's it's not the, the case. All I can say is based on, on what we've seen so far, we haven't seen any, any good evidence for that specifically. No, we haven't. Um, it's just a lot of... Uh... A lot of different things that I guess we could speculate, you know, and then somebody earlier had mentioned something about UFO activity. And of course, we've had, you know, there's a well-known UFO case out at O'Hara back in what was that, 2006? But yes, we have had we have had sightings associated with UFO activity, uh, at least two of them. Um, the one that was over the um, over the Grest Haven that was. Uh, had some type of humanoid ascend from the, the cemetery up into the craft. And then a security guard who was down just southeast, southwest of the uh, cargo area, who was uh, in at night, he was in there guarding a construction area. Mm -hmm. And he was attracted by one of these wing humanoids. And, and then a large uh, triangular or wedge-shaped UFO showed up. So um, I, I don't think, you know, from what we have gathered, I don't think they are associated with the UFOs. I think the UFOs just show up at because of them. Uh, there's something there, but I don't think, I don't think these winged beings have any particular uh, connection with these, with these UFOs. I mean, you know, you guys may think different on that, but that's just what I've been been told. Well, let me um, let me go over it. Now, this is a, a report that I received from a woman in uh, Rockford, Illinois. And so mm -hmm. this was at Fork Kent Creek. So there's mm -hmm. there's this creek and, you know, and it's kind of ringed with uh, uh, well, it's it's surrounded by trees and it's got a little walking path and everything. And it's so, you know, as, as far as Rockford is, is concerned, like it's, it's a relatively isolated area, sort of in the middle of all of this, like industry and apartment buildings and, and everything else. So I'm not going to say, you know, you're not in the middle of nowhere, but it is kind of set aside somewhat from, uh, from the, the surrounding area insofar as it's, it's, it has this wall of trees. It's kind of blocking it off from everything. And so anyway, so I, I, I spoke to this woman. Uh, who said, let's see, this was June 20th of this past uh, summer that uh, she was outside with her mother and they saw this massive black winged humanoid 
uh, followed almost immediately by this weird glowing UFO. You know, and we've we've already received multiple winged humanoid sightings out of Rockford. Some of, like, honestly, some of the most credible sightings that that I have personally investigated have yeah. come out of of this area. You know, one of one of the uh, uh, the witnesses that I worked with that was interviewed in the small town monsters uh, on the trail of the, the Lake Michigan Mothman uh, was one of the, the Rockford witnesses that, that I had worked with. And he was very credible. And so what's interesting about this specifically to me is the way that this UFO is described. Um, so let me get to that real quick because it was weird. Um, so they see this 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 weird winged being, and they decide to go look for it um, because they're they're very brave. It's like you know two in the morning or something too, and um, and and say so they, they they go out there and they're looking for this thing, and they see this weird thing, this glowing object, and it's it's sort of like swimming through the, the the sky that's how they described it moving like a a manta ray now it didn't have the the exact profile of, of a manta ray so don't picture something with like wings and like a long tail but the way it was sort of gliding and swimming through through the the sky reminded them of of something living and uh, and that was oops I think we lost Tobias. Oh, oh, there he is. That was so weird. Okay, um, I don't. <laughs> Somebody I didn't want you talking. Yeah, I mean, it has to happen at least once a show that I'm, I'm talking about Mothman, right? Yeah, you know, some weird kind Absolutely. of Absolutely. But uh, yeah, I, I, hopefully you guys didn't lose a lot. But um, no, it was yeah, it was but, quick. Okay. Okay. Cool. So yeah, I mean, it's like, like literally this UFO seems like this this being made out of of living light or or energy rather than some physical like piloted craft and and that was so weird to me um you know because you 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 talk about seeing ufos in in the the, the same uh geographic area as as these these mothman sightings and i think there's something to that but then you have to start asking mm-hmm. yourself what the hell is a, a a ufo you know like what does that even mean um, exactly Right. And so, uh, you know, like if there's something to these these areas, um, then, you know, maybe, you know, like like you were saying, Lon, maybe they aren't related in any way other than um, uh, uh, being perceptible in these specific areas, whether they're coming through to us or we're able to see them for whatever reason. You know, maybe maybe it's just these these areas, or maybe it's just these areas for a, a specific uh, amount of, of of time, or or something. You know, where on a specific evening, um, if you're out there, you can just see into these other areas, or they're again, maybe they're able to to come to us. But it it doesn't seem like necessarily. Again, there's a very intimate relationship between uh, uh, the, these winged humanoids and and these UFOs. Uh, in in terms of them being you know strongly connected beyond just being seen in these areas, which I think speaks towards the weirdness of the the, the areas themselves. Oh yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree hundred percent. I mean, you know, it's um, you know, it is interesting. 
we have had a lot of sightings, a lot of different sightings in a, in a, in a, a particular geographic area or a region. But there are a lot of variables that have been associated with all this stuff. Uh, you know, I, I honestly, after all these years, I'm still not surprised we don't know a whole lot. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know what you guys think about that. I, I mean, I wish we did know more. Uh, I, I think as this phenomena continues, and I do think it will continue, um, there, I think things are going to change. Uh, I think there will be more multiple sightings. Um, I mean, this is, I'm just saying this off the top of my head, you know, it's not an intuition thing or anything, but I think there will be multiple sightings. I think there will be areas of concentration, just like we've had Bensonville, which is real near the airport, but it is a, and it is a town or an, uh, a, a community where we've had what nine, ten sightings now overall. Um, you know, we've had, you know, we've had that in other communities within the Chicago area in other towns like Rockford, Rockford. And, you, you know, you talk about Rockford, it's crazy. We have had some of the weirdest sightings in the Rockford area. Um, so I, I think this is going to continue. I don't know to what degree, but I think it will continue. Yeah. You know what? This this just uh, just now occurred to me that that one of the other sightings that I investigated out of Rockford, um, this was the, the 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 guy who actually agreed to go on the, the small town monsters uh, dock and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually had a, a UFO sighting in the same area as he had his his winged humanoid too. Um, so yeah, I just I, it would be remiss of me not to to, to mention that because it is super weird. Um, that's you know, that's probably the third or fourth witness that I've talked to specifically myself that I've I've actually talked you know to directly who has had uh, some kind of, of UFO sighting along with their their winged humanoid sighting. Mm. So. Definitely weird, and 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 you're right. I don't think this is going anywhere. I, I remember, you know, when I I was writing the, uh, the Lake Michigan Mothman, you know, high strangeness in the Midwest. Um, you know, even then, because that I, I I published that I think end of of 2019, um, and so I was finishing up the writing of it like July ish of of that year, and even then things had slowed down, but they hadn't stopped. You know, uh, we, heck, we hadn't even started getting anything. Uh, uh, around O'Hare at, at, at that point. But I always right. had this sense that, you know, there's no ending to this story. That's not how these things work. You know, like there's no convenient, like three act uh, novel here. Sorry. It's just not going to happen. There's no beginning, middle and end. This just is. And it, it seems like it just is forever. Well, I'm planning a third book. I mean, and it's going to be mostly concentrated about the O'Hare so, you know, and I, I, you know, of course, all the other ones involved, you know, during that time period will be in there. But, you know, I, I, I'm kind of I'm kind of on the fence about actually writing it and putting it out there because I know more are coming I, in my in my gut. I just feel that more are coming and maybe some pretty substantial ones as well. 
Uh, that's just the feeling I get. You know, I, you know, from the very beginning, I always had the, this thought that this was going to be big and that it was just going to keep on going and going and going. You know, us and others have been accused of manufacturing a lot of this from the very beginning. And that's just not the case. I mean, this is something that has just, you know, it's it's self-manifesting. It just continues on. So, sure. um, yeah. Well, yeah. You know, people can talk to the, the witnesses uh, for themselves, you know, because they are real people and, 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 and they do exist. Now, you know, I don't have any problem with somebody who's skeptical of a, uh, report that is anonymous and, you know, maybe we weren't able to follow up with the, the witness. And so, you know, you've got like a one-off email or something. Look, mm-hmm. I'm skeptical of those too. And, and I get that, but you know, too many people, I think in, uh, in looking into this investigation, want to throw the baby out with the bathwater and, <laughs> yeah. and they, they disregard these, these very credible witnesses, many of whom have decided to go on the record, you know, there are at least two witnesses that I, I worked with uh, directly, and then a, a third witness that uh, Seth and and Heather found um, that that all went on camera in the 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 uh, STM uh, uh, documentary. You know the the on the trail of the uh, Lake Michigan Mothman. You know, so that's that's three people on on camera. Even as far back as as 2017, you had I boy, I wish I could remember his name. Um, that uh, bouncer at the the uh, owl, you know, like, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, Jack down in, in Chicago, he had had, had uh, uh, interviewed that guy on on camera and he was he like he was very forthcoming. And so, like, there's always been people who were willing to, to, to come forward uh, about their experiences. It's not as many as some people would probably like, because, you know, we've got dozens and dozens of these sightings. Um, and a very you know small percentage of uh, of of the witnesses involved have actually bothered to to come forward but i mean it's it's a lot more i think than people know you know and 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 that's just too bad honestly you know i, I wish that there was a a way to to um you know just sort of guide people in the right direction to 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 see all of all of that stuff because i hate you know, how the, the, uh, uh, how the internet works, you know, you get a lot of misinformation things. And of course people want to accuse people of things for whatever, you know, bitter personal reasons. And, um, and and we've had a lot of that, you know, you know, this is, you know, this has been the downfall of this whole thing. We've had people who have just, you know, have interjected and and caused issues uh, for selfish reasons. And, you know, we try to avoid that as much as possible. And unfortunately, it just raises his ugly head too many times. You know, you talk about the Albar incident. That's really the one that put us on the map because, you know, Vice actually, you know, Vice, uh, uh, their article they did was concentrated on the the Albar sighting. And that's kind of what got everything going uh, when that got out nationally and internationally. And, uh, that was the sighting that kind of got everybody's attention. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that, that was, uh, that was an interesting, that was an interesting case. Now, look, I, uh, I think while we're on here, we ought to go through some of 
the cases we have picked up since the last time we talked. Uh, I think it started, and I, I think it, I can peg this, was the St. Joseph Cemetery sighting in River Grove, Illinois, and that was Manuel. So, Manuel, tell us a bit about that one. Uh, which one again? Over by the cemetery at St. Joseph. Oh, the um, the one where we talked about that they say it was a pterodactyl or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Yep, that place is one of the strangest places in Chicago. Um, Chicago has quite a few very large cemeteries, and some of these cemeteries have some. Um, some of them have some legends. I mean, you have places like Resurrection with Resurrection Mary. You have. Um, there's one place in um, on the um, far end of Chicago called Bachelor's Grove that is just, you can feel the energy even from across the street um, of how bad this place is. Um, this particular one, there is a legend with it about a, uh, a uh, ghost that people will see. They, they think it's a woman and they pick her up and, you know, she sits in their car and then just disappears. Um, or they, they pass her and when, when they come back, she's gone. Mm -hmm. Um, I forget what they have a name for her, but you know, it's, um, basically when a, it's a phantom hitchhiker basically. Uh, but this place has a very, very spooky vibe to it. I, um, and it's not been the first, um, sighting out there. Of mm -hmm. wing humanoids. This one mm -hmm. happened as they said was looked like a pterodactyl, you know, the large membranous wings and the crest on its head. Um, quite honestly, um, it was right after that investigating that that I got to see my very, very first. I've lived here all my life, never seen a great blue heron until recently when we went to Wisconsin. Uh, we we're on my way to our way to Clear Lake, which is uh, where my wife is from, and mm -hmm. we saw some in a field. And I did not believe anybody about that. These things are massive. Mm -hmm. uh, like literally, could I'm almost six feet tall, uh, right at six foot. And this thing could probably look me straight in the eyes. Uh, mm -hmm. They are big, and they're just uh, stocky. They're they're very large animals, um, but. They said that this thing was uh, flying around and that it had a um, just it looked like a, a prehistoric, you know, pterosaur, ter uh, the most famous pterodactyl. But I mean, there's multiple, you know, they were from the size of small little uh, chickens to the size of a, of a small plane. There's one called Quetzalcoatlus that is if you go to the field museum, they have a, a full size specimen. This thing's the size of a giraffe. Mm -hmm. uh, and capable of flight. Um, so it's just, um, they said it had a crest on it. So I'm just, for you know, sake of argument, we're just going to call it a pterodactyl. <laughs> but it's, uh, they said it was, it was over that cemetery. And they said they got a real spooky feeling from that place. And I want to agree, this place is very spooky. Um, and again, one of the cemeteries associated in Chicago with all sorts of different paranormal activity. Um, I believe they were there to visit somebody at the cemetery. Mm -hmm. uh, and when they had the sighting and it scared them. You know, you know, you know we have talked about, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for inter interrupting, mm -hmm. but 
Um, we have talked about and heard about all the, the, the cryptid activity around cemeteries. And, of course, we've been having this at Rest Haven as well. Uh, do you think there's an dr actual draw to cemeteries with, with these beings? I want to say that yes, maybe, because, I mean, obviously, the you know, cemeteries are, um, you know, obviously, you know, they're full of dead people. I mean, your spirit, their spirit energy there, um, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's uh, good or bad, you know, um, Lon, you, you, you are, you live not too far from a battleground. It's also a cemetery and. I can only imagine the spirit level out of that place is. I got a cemetery right beside me, so I live right beside a, a big Catholic cemetery. So, mm -hmm. even though I don't get much from that, but yeah, Gettysburg. I mean, I, you know, it's almost anybody who's been to Gettysburg and has any bit of uh, intuitive ability can really feel it just pounding on top of you. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you can get a lot if you're if you have any kind of intuitive ability, which. You know, all three of us have at least some form of it. You could feel it. You know, so it always seems to be that there's always there. I mean, you have spirits there um, that come back and forth. Um, you know, we just recently celebrated. Uh, there's a Mexican holiday we just recently celebrated called Dia de los Muertos, mm -hmm. uh, where we actually go to cemeteries and and you know decorate them and celebrate them because we believe the spirits come back you know at that time to visit us so yeah i think that there's a there is some even if it's just you know oh i forget the word i want to say but you know if there's not real factual you know connections there's at least kind of like a um, folkloric connection that i think we that can be said for cemeteries hmm. well i agree what do you think about that um tobias well, you know, um, I would agree that there is a certain energy, I guess, for lack of a, a, a better word, with particular cemeteries. You know, like there's one uh, in, in Madison, um, Forest Hill Cemetery, and it's got like, it's a, it's a very old cemetery, you know, dating back uh, well into the, the 19th century, and it got the uh, northernmost uh, a Confederate burial plot because of the the POWs that uh, that died in in Camp Randall there, and there doesn't seem to be a strong intelligence, you know, to 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 this haunting. But you but you walk in there, and the place feels haunted. There is this mm -hmm. this sense of uh, oppression, you know. I mean, especially if if you go to like that uh, that 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 uh, Confederate burial plot, it's just it's 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 overwhelming frankly um i don't i don't like to spend a lot of time there um and so <laughs> i can't even go to cemeteries anymore to be honest with you i mean it's just it's overwhelming to me right and i, I have to wonder because it, it, there doesn't seem to be a lot of uh, um intelligence there I, you know, it doesn't seem like some some evidence for persistence of personality post-mortem or anything. It almost mm -hmm. feels like um, just this great emotional weight that that however many, you know, living humans have invested in this place over over countless lifetimes. 
and uh, and 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 because of that, I think you you can uh, walk in and sort of and sort of pick up on the the weight of all of that emotional energy that's 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 been in, invested in these areas. Um, and so you know, you have to wonder like uh, how much of say where we place cemeteries is is related to um, areas being strange in, 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 in the first place. So for instance, um, you know, uh, Forest Hill is, is built sort of uh, around several uh, uh, ancient um, in, indigenous burial mounds. Uh, like it's, it's, it's got, you know, a, a lot of history there. Like this is an area where people have been burying their dead for, you know, uh, th thousands of years prior to, to any uh, European settlers doing so. Um, and so you have to wonder, you know, how much could build up there, you know, over that amount of, of, of time. And so, you know, I think that's why cemeteries are, are weird is because of that emotional investment. And, you know, and maybe, maybe uh, sometimes they're uh, directed to be built on some of these areas we've already been talking about that are weird anyway. And so, you know, if, if that happens, um, then boy, yeah, you're probably looking at, uh, at, at no end of, of, of high strangeness in, in those particular areas. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, we had some other sightings. Uh, of course you talked about the, uh, the Rockford sighting. Can you go any deeper into that? Uh, what she actually saw and anything else on that? Yeah. Go ahead. I've got it right here. I will just read her okay. testimony verbatim because okay. it's it's the best way to do it. So, uh, okay, this sighting began at approximately 1 a.m. Uh, when this woman, uh, who actually did uh, agree to having her, her name used, so her name is, is uh, Shana, and her mother, uh, Barbara, were, were, uh, was also there. They were outside of Shana's uh, a house and well, it was in apartment building. And uh, so anyway, what she said to me was, uh, there's my parking lot and we were facing toward my building and next to that between me and, and the canal. So that's that, that, uh, that Creek I was, I was talking about. Mm -hmm. Uh, so there's, a uh, between me and, and the canal, there's a parking lot that has nothing just like a lot. And then there's a canal and I could see the overpass bridge that runs down Auburn over the canal. Across from that is a shop that has lights on it. And there's a very, very well lit, uh, I'm not sure what it is, uh, a hauling business, I think. Uh, but they have trucks and garage doors and stuff. Then there's a pretty thin tree line on the canal. And there's nothing on my side of the, the canal. It's reasonably well lit. When the, the creature, as she described it, crawled out of, of the canal... I could see the cement guardrail walls of the canal because all the lights on this side from that shop and the light reflecting from the lights that are on the side of my building. The trees uh, were, were dark. I heard a screech that made me turn my head toward that direction. Then it looked like it crawled from out of the canal because I saw this black silhouette following up and, and onto the embankment. That's when you could see the black silhouette against the light on the other side you could clearly see this black blob moving across. And when my mom looked over, because she saw something in the corner of her eye, and obviously I was already looking over there, she saw the black blob, and then it took flight within the tree line. 
we could clearly see the shape of the wings and the size of this thing going through the, the tree line. Obviously, I can't say uh, it was it was through the, the, the tree line. It could have just been above the, the canal, like at the, the water. But we saw it completely pass, like we saw it uh, going through. And so she, she uh, described it to me further. Um, and she related it to, and, and now we've seen this before, not exactly this, but similar to this, in witnesses who have related their sighting to the, uh, the creature from Jeepers Creepers. So she used the, the movie Underworld to try to uh, uh, describe or, or help her describe her experience. So she said that this thing reminded her of the character Marcus from the, the film Underworld, which is like a huge bat-like humanoid monster, right? Or at least he can become one, I think. And so she says that uh, it it was massive, like hunched over when it was coming out of the canal. It looked like the size of our dumpster that we have in the back of our apartment building. It was huge. I have no clue what to even compare it to. It was super tall and big. When it walked, when it was on the ground, it was like hunched over and crouched. It looked like this, this massive blob. And then when it initially left the ground, it flapped its wings. And it wasn't a super fast flap uh, because the, the, the wings were so big. And the, the uh, canal goes down into a vegetative spot. So then they, they lost sight of it there. Um, and so, you know, you've got something similar to the other Rockford sightings. Uh, say the, the uh, deer bat. And I don't remember what the other gentleman called it. Remember there, there, there were two witnesses who on separate occasions outside of, of Rockford were cruising around uh, because there's, there wasn't a whole heck of a lot for them to do otherwise. So they're out cruising and, and they saw this huge winged, a humanoid, completely black creature. And so that's very, very similar to what she had seen here. And what's interesting is that she was describing seeing this thing in, in relatively well-lit conditions. And yet, at, at the same time, it's just this, like, featureless black blob uh, that, you know, springs up into this, this winged humanoid creature, right? Um, which is what's one of the more interesting things about these, these Rockford sightings and some of the, the, the other sightings, because they're not the only witnesses to uh, describe these things this way. You know, uh, the, the, the uh, Rockford, uh, the other Rockford witnesses um, who were out cruising. Now they uh, had this thing in their, their headlights and it was still completely black. Um, you know, even, even being in their car's headlights. So, um, Whatever it is, it uh, it seems to be. Um, I mean, darker than you can really imagine. Really, you know, honestly, like darker than than seems to be uh, entirely natural. Mm-hmm. But just after that uh, that winged humanoid sighting, uh, Shana and her mother uh, saw something else. You know, completely inexplicable. So as she you know said to to me. Uh, we walked to this broken down fence that separates my area from this lot that's on the other side between us and the canal. We were out there walking and I asked my roommate to come downstairs and bring a flashlight so we can shine it in the tree line and see if we can see anything. She came down in, in 15 minutes, didn't see anything, and we drove down to the park. But the trees are so dense down there that even if there was something in there, we wouldn't have seen it. 
When we drove back, she went to the gas station for about 10 minutes, but my mom and I were still outside in this light. It almost looked like it was glowing. It looked like if you were to see a sort of stingray, like a glowing stingray in the air, it uh, it materialized above the air, like maybe 50 to 60 feet in the air above the, the, the empty lot. And then it had wings, but they were very fluid moving, like very slow moving and very thin. Like if you look on the side of a stingray, we could see that thing almost glowing against the dark sky. And there was nothing that it could have reflected off of. It was a clear sky where that could have caused that like a spotlight. It was an actual physical thing there in the air. It didn't look white. It looked like light. That is to say, like she was trying to explain to me that it didn't look like uh, a white like reflection or anything. It it didn't look like an object that just itself was white. It looked like it was literally made of light. Um, And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, so, so, so she says it didn't look white. It looked like light almost like a translucent whitish light. Uh, it wasn't just a white object because the sky was pitch black. We saw the whole glowing silhouette and it flew very smoothly and fluidly over to the street. It generally stayed the same height in the air. Then it turned around and came back over and literally, and literally disappeared in the same spot it materialized. It didn't go down. It didn't go up. It just vanished. And, uh, And, you know, like she gets into some more detail there, um, you know, because when I'm interviewing somebody, I'll usually ask them um, a lot of follow up questions. Uh, I mean, because who wouldn't have a lot of questions about that? Absolutely. But uh, but also because I, I want to be completely clear about what they experienced, you know, because it, it, it's very, very important to me that I am accurately reflecting somebody's experience when I'm reporting on it. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it, it was a very interesting report. You know, I, I talked to her on the phone for probably an hour or, or, or so to get all this info. And then I actually I ended up going down there uh, with, with Emily, of course, and then uh, our friend uh, Adam Benedict, from the, the Pine Barrens Institute and, uh, and, and his wife. And, uh, and we all went down there and scoped out that area. And, uh, you know, everything lined up. Everything was where she said it was. Um, her, obviously, her uh, account was, was very, very detailed. So it was very easy for us to find everything. And, and um, you know, she gave us the, the uh, address of where everything was. And so um, everything added up. Uh, it's it's exactly as she described it. Now I didn't see a like Mothman or anything while I was down there, but you know um, I didn't expect to. Frankly, right. like these there isn't uh, there isn't a lot of um, repeatability. Like these aren't repetitive phenomena, really. You know, like people don't usually see uh, winged humanoid in the exact same place very often. You know, maybe in mm-hmm. the same area, but not usually in the same place. And so. You know, um, this seems like a very credible sighting to me. You know, I, I certainly think that she and her mother experienced something that 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 they can't explain. Um, it had uh, a very powerful uh, effect on them both. Um, you know, they were certainly very terrified uh, by what they 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 saw. You know, um, and so yeah, in in terms of uh, of Lake Michigan Mothman sightings, um, you know, this is a, a a really good one. This is this is a kind of of report that I love to get where, you know, somebody, it, it had just happened fairly recently, um, you know, when, when, when she, she got a hold of me, I think she actually 
uh, emailed me um, immediately afterwards. You know, so it was it was right after she had this experience. She hops online, which is nice because that doesn't always happen, right? Yeah, I, you know, I like when we get those reports within the hour. People get yeah. them, you know, go Googling and find us. Absolutely. Yeah, so I mean, it's 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 all fresh on her mind when she's like writing it yeah. out in, in in this email the the uh, first time, um, you know, and then I, I talked to her very soon after that, and uh, and 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 then we went down there, but um, but yeah, you know, every, every everything adds up to a, a a credible sighting here, and you know, it's got so many parallels with uh, with so many other credible sightings that we've uh, received that. Um, you know, it's 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 difficult not to take it seriously. You know, I, I don't know yeah. what she saw, but it's weird. You know, this all black creature, uh, exactly the same as as two other guys in in Rockford have uh, uh, described separately. You know, over the the, the past several years, um, UFO like weird UFO in 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 the the same area, just like another you know fourth Rockford witness had had. Uh, Describe now. Now, uh, uh, Jonathan Lane—that was the other uh, Rockford witness who had seen um, a UFO in the, in the same area as, as he had had his his Mothman sighting. Now, his UFO was a more traditional sort of craft, um, so it wasn't exactly the same as like a, this living light creature. But it's still weird that he had a, a UFO sighting, you know, in 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 the same area uh, as really directly above almost his. Uh, where he had his his uh, his Mothman sighting, and so there's just so many parallels uh, be, between these sightings, and and these these people don't know each other. Um, most of them have uh, basically testified that um, that they didn't really have any knowledge of this case. You know, I, I'm sure we've we, we've all talked to tons of witnesses where um, basically what happened is they have an experience like the, this this woman. And um, they don't know what the hell it is. They don't know where the hell like they should go to report it. They don't know anything about it. And so they hop online and uh, they managed to find one of us through Googling, basically, because who else are you going to find, honestly? Um, yeah. and, uh, and, and, and that's how they, they uh, that's, that's how they get it to us. But, you know, she certainly didn't seem to have any, any prior knowledge. Um, she certainly, like she said she didn't, and I don't have any reason to, to disbelieve her, um, I guess is, is what I should say. But, uh, yeah, it seems awfully strange to me that you would have these four different witnesses reporting, uh, these, these sightings with all of these weird parallels, uh, just with, within, you know, Rockford, um, without knowing each other and really without being, uh, uh, aware of, of anybody having seen anything similar in, in, in their relatively, you know, mid-sized, I guess, city, smallish city. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. It, it, it's so interesting how um, so many reports are so far from each other in, in time and in space, and uh, they're so similar. It's, uh, it's, it's uncanny. And uh, for the most part, the witnesses have been very forthcoming, that's something we don't always get with cryptid investigations. Uh, people not embellishing on what they've seen. They stick to what they originally tell you. It, yeah, this, this, you know, this whole, this whole 
ordeal, I don't want to call it ordeal, but all of this has been very interesting from the very beginning. Yeah, I mean, that's that that's absolutely right. Um, there have been so many people um, that seem so very, very credible. You know, um, I'm, I'm reminded of, of going down to Woodstock, you know, and uh, and, and talking to the, the main sighting witness down there, you know, and this mm-hmm. was an incredible story. Um, and and, you know, you you are uh, uh, aware of that witness. You've spoken to him and communicated mm-hmm. with with his wife and so we both know uh significant details about their their life and it would be devastating for them to have a story like that come out attached to them so they had nothing to gain everything to lose by contacting us um and yet they were so gracious you know and invited Emily and I down there and took us around the sighting area and and uh and showed us where everything happened um and the only reason and it was evident after speaking to them the only reason that they they did so is because something really happened to this guy he had mm-hmm. an experience that <clears throat> was very impactful that he can't explain and he's got to talk Talk to somebody about it, you know, and uh, and there's nobody else to talk to, really. And so he and his wife, they're they're just looking for for answers. They're looking for something after running headlong into the impossible, you know. Um, and that's so many of of these these witnesses, you know, like they're you know, not this looking. Is, yeah, this is something that I, this is something that's been very interesting to me about all of this is that we've had politicians. We've had the local celebrities. We've had sports personalities, professional sports people that have been involved with these sightings. And the fact that they even came forward is amazing to me. But uh, that has been something that has been very, you know, I don't know. Is, are they destined to see these things because of their notoriety? I don't know, but it, it is interesting. Hey, guys, look, we're going to go ahead and get off of here tonight. I do appreciate you coming on. I am going to set up a Mothman roundtable at some point. Uh, we'll bring Travis back in. If you guys would like to be part of that, I'd like to have you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm always happy to be here. Okay. So, uh, you know, thanks again for coming in. I appreciate it. And uh, you all have a nice weekend. Thanks. Uh, yeah, you, you too. Take care, Lon. Take care, Manuel. So, now, if, uh, if you've had an uh, sighting or encounter report that you would like to be considered for the personal report show, or post it on Phantoms and Monsters, please, please feel free to forward the email to lonstricklerfamsmonsters.com. Uh, I want to again thank Tobias and, and Manuel for joining me this evening. And, and thanks to each other and you for watching and chatting. Now, next Wednesday, I will present another live personal report show. And next Friday, author Carol Scott will join me to discuss her book, the Cryptids of Asia and Oceania. Uh, this should be a very interesting episode, so uh, make sure you join us for that. I'm quite sure you guys got a lot of questions that you can bring up in the chat. 
So, hey, stay tuned for uh, Bernadette McDaniel's A Paranormal Life here on Phantoms Monsters Radio. That'll premiere at 11 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, 8 p.m. Pacific Time. And uh, so until then, stay healthy and have a safe and enjoyable weekend. Good night.